The Minnesota Vikings have brought joy and misery to the Vikings fans for many years. At the Skull Purple Podcast, we just want to see the Vikings party with the Lombardi. Join us for analysis, interviews, laughs, and much more. It's the podcast by Vikings fans for Vikings fans. The Skull Purple Podcast starts now. Here's your host, Carson Schubert. Welcome into the Skull Purple Podcast. It is the Bears preview show, and we are pleased to be joined by Kevin Lapka from the Bears Nation podcast. You can follow him at KevCharles112 on Twitter, and also follow the uh, podcast at Bears Nation Pod on Twitter. I should say X. We have it as X now. I suppose I should start saying it that way. Lon might get mad. Um, anyways, Kevin, great to have you here and great to be talking football with you, man. Great to be back with you guys. We had a lot of fun last year. It's almost football time. I'm ready to go. I know you guys are ready to go. We're about, you know, 10 days away, nine days away now from the NFL season and just a couple weeks away from, uh, the regular season for both of our teams. So we're heating up, man. It's great to be back with you guys. And, uh, Tony, I know you mentioned the, the hat, the 98 finals hat, the classic hat that he's wearing. So yeah, it's a, it's a great hat, Kevin. I I guess, um, first of all, how have things been going for you? Um, what are your thoughts on what the bears have done this off season? Um, and yeah, we'll just start with that. Yeah, like I mentioned, you know, it's been a whirlwind of an offseason. You know, I, I work in sports radio here in Chicago and just with having the number one overall pick and then trading the number one overall pick and then spending all the money we had in free agency and then all the draft picks we had and, you know, just, you know, Kevin Warren coming in as the new president and CEO. It has been just quite an eventful offseason for the Bears. It seems like every week there's something new happening in a different department of the team. Um, so it's been certainly a long five to six months of the offseason here uh, ramping up, and we still kind of don't know what to expect, right? There's a lot of people who still believe that this team can win 10-11 games, and then you still got a lot of people in town who think uh, this is a five and six win team. Like it, It's really uh, a, a wide spectrum of what people think this team can be, but it's been eventful for sure, and I would say more than years past, you know, there is more optimism. Um, but when you're in a market like Chicago and you got people who have been fans of this team for so long and haven't seen this team win in a really long time, there's natural pessimism that's going to happen. And it has been happening. So uh, that's why I'm just ready for the season to start. Like too much speculation. I don't want to hear your win prediction anymore. I don't want to hear you call into the radio station anymore and tell us that Justin Fields, this guy is that like, let's just let it play out at this point. Like let's just let these games begin and let the play in the field decide it. So uh, it's been a long few months, but ready and excited to, to get going. Well, Hey Kevin, we do want to hear your record prediction, but uh, we'll save that for a little bit later. Uh, we'll get you'll You'll get it for me. Now my, you know, <laughs> Again, you know, it, it's 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 hard. It's hard just because when you have a team, right, that that did such of an overhaul that they did, right, and you bring in all these free agents and you expect all these leaps, it, it, it's really hard to quantify what an increase in win total could be. So naturally, you're probably not going to – I'm not my, – my prediction's not going to be egregious, but it, it's cautious optimism. So that's a little tease for, uh, for the uh, – <laughs> That's uh, usually a wise way to go about things. Um, especially as we've found out as Vikings fans, um, even, even after winning the Buffalo game last year, we should have been more cautious, but, uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's the way it goes. Um, uh, Tony, 
Um, I'm going to throw it to you. Do you have any uh, questions offhand for Kevin in terms of your thoughts on the Bears offseason or whatever you want to throw his way? Yeah, I mean, I would say just a, a, a question because I think this is, from an outside perspective, I can give you my opinion, but I don't obviously pay attention to the team as closely as you're going to pay attention to the team. Uh, but the big, obviously, talker in the offseason was if Justin Fields is the guy, do you feel that the Bears did enough on the offensive side of the ball to give him the weapons so that way he can prove, is he the guy or do we need to maybe start thinking about life after Fields? Do you think they did enough for him to kind of put that to rest? From a weapon standpoint, yes, right? If you're talking about pure weapons and, and the guys he's throwing the ball to, yes, right? You trade for DJ Moore, you get a guy who's consistently been a thousand yard receiver. He's been doing it with quarterbacks far worse than Justin Fields. We're not we're not worried about that. Darna Mooney's a great wide receiver two or wide receiver three. He wasn't equipped to be wide receiver one last year, didn't live up to those expectations, but he's fine as a wide receiver two. His connection with Justin Fields is great. People in Chicago are expecting a little bit more from Chase Claypool. He came in, played about six games with the Bears last year, did absolutely nothing, didn't really mesh into the offense, wasn't able to build rapport with Justin Fields. But with a whole offseason, um, we're expecting him to be a guy who can be a great target, especially in the red zone. Then you bring in a guy like Robert Tunyon, a guy who caught, you know, double-digit shots on a couple of years ago with the Packers. You know, he's a guy who can, you know, score in the red zone. And Cole Komet is coming off a decent season last year. Uh, you could call that a breakout season and the running backs of course are a running back by committee um but that's just fine when you have uh, a guy like justin fields who can basically carry that rushing offense anyway so from a weapon standpoint yes there's enough there we, we aren't concerned about the weapons to his disposal the concern mainly comes in with the offensive line still right you know they do a couple things that offensive line they sign right guard nate davis and they get with their first round draft selection darnell Wright out of tennessee who's been a great product and uh has looked good in camp but you know, he went out with an ankle injury a couple weeks ago. He's expected to be ready week one. But our left guard, Tevin Jenkins, uh, is now out with both a calf strain on both legs. You can explain to me how that happens, but he has a calf strain Yikes. on both legs uh, and uh, apparently not related to an on-field injury as well, which is just a it's just a curious situation. Um, but there's just some injury concerns across the offensive line. You got guys like Cody Whitehair and Lucas Patrick who are going to fill in as veterans in this league, but also guys who have been injury prone throughout their career. So as the offensive line is currently constructed with most of those guys being ready to play week one, you feel okay. But if this is an offensive line that is going to continually be shuffled with guys who are injury prone and, and, and guys missing games, you know, you're going to have a little bit of concern there. And they just traded for Dan Feeney, formerly of uh, the Dolphins, played 17 games with the Jets last year before signing a one-year contract with the Dolphins this offseason, who's going to fit in there as a depth piece in the interior of the out offensive line. But there's still some slight concern about can this offensive line give Justin Fields enough time for him to work out of the pocket? We know what he can do outside of the pocket. We know he's great as a, as a thrower on the run, but everyone is expecting his development to improve from inside of that pocket. He has guys who can get open intermediate uh, and quickly like DJ Moore, but he's going to need that protection hold from that offensive line. But from a weapon standpoint, to answer that question, Tony, yes, they do have enough weapons to their disposal. We're not, we're not worried about that. Yeah, I, I would say that, I, I kind of knew where you were going, Kevin, when you were leading into it. I, I kind of figured you were going with the offensive line because that was the Achilles heel last year for the Bears, it seemed like. Obviously, weapons-wise weren't great last year, but they could have been okay had the quarterback had more time to 
throw the ball. And even as good as Justin Fields is while he's on the run, um, it's still not great for any quarterback uh, to have a struggling offensive line. And that showed a, a lot last year and it could show up again this year. Yeah, that that's that's absolutely right. You know, that's absolutely right. I mean, you look at Justin Fields and the the biggest thing about his game, especially for me watching him multiple years at Ohio State. Um, you know, I was on the sideline for two years doing video stuff there. I saw Justin Fields close and personal in that 2020 COVID season. I was one of like 15 people in that stadium watching him up front. So I always like to tell people I have a little bit of a leg up on them when it comes to scouting him in college. And of course, the pros are completely different and it's proved to be that way thus far in his career. Um, you know, but the number one thing was, you know, he he had such an established connection with two guys in college and Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. Like they were just on the same page every single time. And he he's been waiting for that in the league. And he finally has that with TJ Moore. But the second thing was like every single play in college, he had a million, you know, seconds to throw. It, it just, he had all the time in the world and, you know, you say what you want about his mental processing. Like maybe he's just a guy that needs some more time in the process in the pocket to process the field and read a defense. Maybe that's just the way it is. And if that's the way it is, then yeah, he's going to need more time to sit back and evaluate those things. I mean, you're, you're just, that's the only element element of his game in the league that we're waiting to develop. Like we know that everything else, you know, as it pertains to him as a quarterback is there, right? The accuracy is fine. The default accuracy is great, right? There's there's no concerns about that when he has the time. The throw on the run is great. Obviously, he's one of the best running quarterbacks in the NFL. It's just, can he get enough time in the pocket to make decisions and have confidence? And that's where I get the most worried when it comes to Justin Fields is I think what you started to see a lot last year and some of the criticisms of him and even the biggest criticism of him this far in the preseason is he's been too quick to flush the pocket, right? There's guys open five to 10 yards intermediate there's guys open in the flat and he's still you know opting to you know flush the pocket and get five yards with his legs which is fine right I mean five yards is five yards whether it's you know via the air or via you know the ground but you would like to see him be a little bit more patient have a little bit of more a little bit more confidence sit in that pocket maybe even take a hit right and still deliver a strike down the field I just don't think that mentally he's there yet to sit there and and have enough confidence and look at the five guys in front of him and say these guys are going to protect me for even two seconds or as long as I need to deliver a strike to anybody anybody down the field so the hope for me and I think for a lot of Bears fans is have this offensive line you've worked with throughout training camp have confidence in them get through a couple games in the season where you can have confidence that they'll protect you. And then by the time week three, week four, week five hits, you have full confidence in them. You're willing to sit in that pocket, take hits uh, and have trust that they're going to protect you. Yeah. One, one more thing I'll say on that offensive line is I think, you know, as bad as that offensive line was last year, it does maybe take a little getting used to for Justin Fields to not be ultimately panicking immediately every time he has the ball like it seemed like there was many times last year when he would very quickly okay I've got to make a decision I got to go I got to go you know so maybe there's still a little bit of that creeping in that mindset creeping in a little bit for him and he's got to maybe try and get rid of that as hard as that may be to try and do I think part of it for him too is like he he also so he he also knows though that if he does escape the pocket quickly he's got a chance to run six yards for a touchdown right? right like I think that's in the back of his mind like he just knows he's faster than everyone on the field and he's athletically gifted enough to make special plays and when he did it so often last year I think part of that is in his mind to say hey I know I can make a big play on the ground I'm just gonna do that it's easier right it's almost easier for him to just run the sixty yards for a touchdown instead of sit in the pocket take a hit and deliver a sixty yard bomb to. 
DJ Moore, Donna Mooney, right? Like that's probably uh, in the back of his mind there. So it's, it's, it's a complicated situation for Bears fans when they witness that, because again, like, if it's a six-yard touchdown on the ground, it's six points, right? Like that—that—that's that, fine. But there's so many people who are just skeptical be- to believe that he's going to be a Super Bowl-winning quarterback or a quarterback who can be top five in the league if he can't, you know, do it from the pocket and he can't throw. So uh, I don't want to see him like stop the running. Like that's—we're not imploring for him to stop running at all and just sit in the pocket the entire game. Like that's not what we want from him this year it's just a little bit more patience and a little bit more confidence and it's just it's going to take time to build that like i want them to win and i think they're going to win week one against green bay but like i'm not expecting him to throw for 350 yards and four touchdowns in that game even against a defense that's not great and a pass rush that's not great the secondary is solid we know jair jair alexander is great you know obviously you guys see him twice a year as well but that's a team that lost a lot of talent on defense they're just not you know, gifted on that side of the ball, but still, even against that opponent, I'm, I'm just, it's going to, there's going to be growing pain still with the new offensive line, with a rookie on the offensive line, with a free agent there as well. And then Cody Whitehair switching positions to center a position he did not play last year and hasn't played since 2018. So there's going to be growing pains naturally for this offensive line. It's going to take a couple weeks uh, to work out the kinks. Tony, uh, any other uh, questions for Kevin on the offensive line or, or the offense as a whole, I should say. No, I think the the and you hit it on the head, Kevin. I mean, if I were a Bears fan, which to be very clear, I'm not. No, no. <laughs> I no, knew but, it. I but, knew it. But if I were a Bears fan, just from an outside perspective looking in, I mean, it, it it's like anything. You know, you you don't want anyone to be, especially your quarterback, to be too one dimensional. <clears throat> and I think that's where it gets. You know, that's where there's some concern. Would be, you know, you don't want him to rely so much on the legs where if you've got a rather savvy defensive coordinator uh, or just a team that, you know, can uh, actually perform at a high level on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, they're going to, they're going to stack the box just like they would against, you know, a team that runs the ball with a running back. Uh, and they're basically going to force him to beat him with, with his arm and, and with the teams that actually have good defenses, we started to see that last year um, where essentially they were just like, we're, we're just going to basically man cut, give you man coverage and see what you can do. Um, and, um, that's what, you know, again, the, the proof's going to be in the pudding, uh, for me as an outsider is I think that there's going to be a similar game plan, uh, with him this year, meaning opposing defenses. So, uh, they're going to force him to try to throw and, um, you know, we'll see if the, again, upgrade in weapons, uh, is going to help. Uh, and then to your point, I mean, unfortunately a bad O line, not a whole lot you can do with that. So hopefully those guys start to gel together. Um, we certainly are no <laughs> stranger to offensive line issues here on our Vikings team. Yeah. So um, we certainly understand you can have, I mean, unless you've got somebody really special back there, uh, you know, like a Patrick Mahomes or something, um, these quarterbacks, they need some time. Uh, it's just a different amount of time for some of these guys. So hopefully they can get it together. And uh, as you mentioned, we're not going to know until the season starts. So from your comfortability standpoint, um, you mentioned that you felt like the weapons are in a good spot, like from a, from a grading level, where would you put this like weapons core compared to like some of the others in the league? Would you kind of give it like a B would you where where, that's kind of where I'm at, like a B B minus maybe kind of, I I still want to see something from Chase Claypool. I'm not convinced he's going to be great. Um, you know, is Robert Tunyon going to be able to repeat his success he had a couple of years ago? 
Um, DJ Moore, I think, will be really good, but if defenses are able to, to double cover him and not have to worry about other weapons on the field, that's kind of where I would be concerned with the Bears' offense uh, of weapons. What, where would you say your comfortability is with them? Yeah, I mean, if you're going to grade it, I, I honestly would give it a B plus. I think this is a really good arsenal f- of, of offensive weapons for Justin Fields. When you just look across the roster, you just have a lot of guys who can do a lot of different things, right? And I, I think that's key when you look at an offense that that you want to have success down the field and then in the red zone, right? You look at a guy like DJ Moore who could do everything for you. He's a good yards after the catch guy. And then you look at a guy like Darnell Mooney who's a great deep threat, a guy who can run routes really well and get open. Then you have your big X receiver and Chase Claypool who can catch balls for you in the end zone and then you know you go down the roster you get a guy like rookie fifth rounder from Cincinnati Tyler Scott if you I don't know if you guys have heard of him yet um probably not because a fifth round rookie for uh you know a team like the Bears that you probably don't follow that much but this is a guy who's a great deep threat as well uh, a guy who's scary down the field who you can also use in different option situations and arounds and different creative things in the red zone um Equinemius St. Brown's a guy who can catch passes he can't catch him very well but he can he can catch him sometimes and then you got Cole Komet and Robert Tunyon to Two different uh, tight ends for you, both in the red zone and across the field. This is an offense that is entirely different from last year from a versatility standpoint. I think that's what's exciting. You have a lot of different guys who can do different things for you. You can throw a lot of different things at defenses, which is why I give it a B plus. If you were to grade it from a pure talent aspect as it's constructed right now, it's probably not a B plus. But when it comes to the, the things that are at Luke Getzey offensive coordinator's disposal, yeah, it's really, really exciting for you to look at all these different tools and weapons and say, hey, you know, we can do a lot of really creative things offensively, especially when you think about how you can throw defenses off with a quarterback like Justin Fields who can run a little bit so if they're going to spy him that leaves another guy open right like you can really really get creative and I think Luke Getze is kind of you know, chopping at the bit to use some of these guys in different ways. Even a guy like Bayless Jones Jr., who many actually thought would be cut today, was a guy who scored a couple of touchdowns. I want to say he scored one against Minnesota in the first game um, on an end around. And that was just, you know, an example of a guy who's not going to get a lot of yards, but a guy that they can use in different situations. So for that reason, like I'm going to give it a B plus. And, uh, you know, there's, again, a lot of names that, you know, don't really pop out. Like even DJ Moore for a lot of people doesn't really pop. Like he's not a top 10 receiver, but this is a guy who's just a model of consistency. He's going to catch the football. He's going to get you yards. He's going to, he's going to be a perfect asset for Justin Fields. But a lot of people don't want to put him in that same range as like even an AJ Brown or a Stefan Diggs, which, you know, he's, he's probably not there yet, but you know, if you pair him with a guy like Justin Fields who takes a leap, who takes a leap, right? Look, look what AJ Brown did when he wants to, when he went to Philadelphia, look at what Stefan Diggs when he went to Buffalo. There's a lot of people that are expecting, Stefan Diggs to be that guy that that receivers like you know Stefan Diggs and AJ Brown were for Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts right that that's the expectation so if you get DJ Moore to be this year a 1300 yard receiver with like nine touchdowns and get into that rage then he can kind of wiggle himself up to be a top 12 top 10 wide receiver and then you feel a lot better about those weapons and then like I mentioned Darna Mooney is just sort of a sneaky name he had that great catch against you guys last year that kind of one-handed catch in Minnesota. That was great. I'm sure you guys kind of remember that one. Uh, and then mm-hmm. Chase Claypool, just, you know, if he can stay healthy too, uh, that, that's just the main thing with him. Um, but I'm not, there, there's there's people who are willing to declare him just like done, right, with his career. Like they're just giving up on him. I just, I just, I'm just not ready to do that. And if he returns to that rookie form in, in 
uh, in Pittsburgh where he had like 800 yards and what do you have? I think the 10 touchdowns that year. He had a four touchdown game his rookie season. Then, yeah, this is 100% an offense that could be a top 10 in the league when it comes to weapons. So for now, I'll give it a B plus, but I think it has the potential to get up to be, you know, in, in A minus. And, and the running backs too, I just, Khalil Herbert, Deonta Foreman, Roshan Johnson, rookie from Texas, like no one stands out there. But again, I'm not, I'm just not worried about it. You know what I mean? Like Isaiah Pacheco was the Super Bowl champion running back. Like it just, you guys cut Dalvin Cook. We kind of know that in this age of the NFL, having a superior running back just doesn't, it doesn't hold the same weight as it has in the past. So I'm not too worried about not having a true RB1 on this team. Like Justin Fields is the RB1. Let's, let's be honest. And I'm not saying he's a running back. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying he's a running back, but he's the best, he's the best rusher on the team. And I think everybody Whoa. in the league knows that. Sure. I have Charles 112 on X for all of you that want to chime in. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, (laughs) I have kind of an oddball question for you. Um, And this does relate to fields, but just more or less, you know, there's nuance to to the NFL and, and there's nuance to the psyche of these guys. I think for me, uh, I almost as a Vikings fan, I'm kind of in my in my safe space. I'm in my comfortable zone right now because everybody is counting us out. And that's mm-hmm. where I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable when everybody's like, yeah, the Vikings, they're going to regress. They're going to be maybe, you know, sitting around 500. You know, it's not it's not going to happen. Uh, so everybody's writing us off and I'm OK with it because that means low expectations and we can just focus. Is there any concern on your end? Not to say that like, you know, I, w- I wouldn't say it's at the level of the Lions. The Lions are in their own thing right now with the media, and they're the little darling of the NFC North right now. But um, I-, I do see a lot of the ramp up of, like, Fields is going to be the next, like, top five quarterback in this league and, you know, all this stuff. And and I think that's really cool, and it's it can be re- very confidence-inspiring. But it's a double-edged sword because I feel like when things then don't go well, then it's like even more pressure and more weight of like, what happened? Why is this not working out? And then you, we've seen it time and time again where things then start to spiral because it gets in guys' head and then it becomes a confidence issue. I don't know Fields that well. Obviously, I don't know him personally, but I don't watch enough of him in press conferences and games with body language. Is there any of that concern with you or you're like, no, this guy's got, he's he's Mr. Cool. He's not going to bother him. But is there anything where that weight is a little like, let's be a little careful here, guys? Well, you're absolutely right about this because the hype around him has been real, especially in the media. Like it, it, it's on, it, it's been insane, and, and the sports books have had him as like a top three, you know, MVP uh, shareholder of the bets that's coming in this offseason, right? Like all these things are real, and it's funny you bring it up because this exact same thing happened actually before the 2019 season for the Bears with Mitch Trubisky. There was a uh, the same sort of reports. He was getting you know a ton of MVP bets, and the you know the Bears were coming off a uh, a 20. Um, you know, a 12 and four season where they lost to the Eagles on the double doink. And everyone's like, okay, you know, next year, Mitch is going to go crazy and the Bears are going to be a Super Bowl team and all these things happen. And Mitch Trubisky was a player who was not equipped to handle it. He couldn't live up to the expectations. He wasn't able to handle pressure. And I would feel more nervous about what you're talking about if I didn't 
feel like Justin Fields was a guy who can handle it. This is a guy who's very calm-mannered, who's handled pressures and tackler. He's been in the spotlight since he was, you know, 14 years old, right? He was on uh, that TV show on Netflix. I'm forgetting the name of it now uh, that featured him and a couple other quarterbacks. It was... uh, under the lights or something like that. Like keep under the lights. Yeah. Um, like he's been in the spotlight his his whole career. He's lived up to all the expectations at Ohio state, right? Like I am not worried about him as a person looking at everything and feeling surrounded and feeling an immense amount of pressure and not being able to live up to it. Maybe I'm wrong. Right. Again, I don't know him personally either. I don't talk to him on a daily (laughs) basis. Right. Like I've spoken to him before, but not regularly, like I not enough to tell whether he can uh, handle the pressure like this. And it's not easy for, for anyone, right? Like there's only been a few players, you know, in the league who have truly lived up to an insane amount of pressure, especially in a market like Chicago. And I think that's just a, a key thing to note is like not only is it the market but it's just the history of this franchise right like we've never had a 4,000 yard passer we're waiting and waiting and waiting to finally have a franchise quarterback he's supposed to be the hero he's supposed to be the savior he's the best draft pick at quarterback that we've ever had and everyone knows it right the most accomplished college quarterback to be drafted to this team so the expectations began like they're high now but they began the moment he was drafted like the moment that he was drafted that night the expectation was you're going to be the best quarterback to walk through this franchise. And, you know, you could argue about whether he's lived up to, like he obviously hasn't lived up to that billing yet. And it's only, you know, he's only played two years in the league and he had a, a pretty decent year last year, all things considered. But I just, I'm not, I think me and most people, like we're not too worried about him feeling the pressure so much that it'll break him down. Like he's a guy that can handle it. He's calm, you know, in the toughest situation. So I, I think that'll be just fine. I think when it comes to the team in general, there's a little bit of concern about that just because there are people who think they can be an 11 win team and 12 win team and all these things and win the North. And, and maybe it's too much too soon, right? Because they won three games last year and the Super Bowl window doesn't open until next year and all these different things. But I also don't have a problem with setting expectations high. Like, if that's the like, if like you're all in right now, you you spent all the money, you made the right picks, right? You know, you you, you traded for guys, like you built this team this offseason to win now. So if that's the case, then yeah, set the expectations high. Like in that building, I know every team does this, you know, let's win the Super Bowl, right? But obviously, it seems like the Cardinals probably is not saying that in the building. But like <laughs> that should be the expectation, right? Like like somebody's gonna have to slap them over the head if they are. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, seriously. Like, let's be real. Let's be real. I mean, that's that's going to be more of a tank job than what the Bears accomplished last year. Well, um, w- one more question before we get to your record prediction, and then we'll wrap things up. But uh, what are your thoughts on the defense? I, I feel like this might be the weakest point that you feel on the team, and maybe it is the weakest point of the roster for the Bears because it sounds like the offense, other than the offensive line, is pretty set to go. Um So what are your concerns with the Bears defense? How have they looked in camp? I think just off the bat, I'll tell you my biggest concern is their defensive line. Yeah, no, this is a this is an offense that I think is going to be a top 16 offense uh, or rather top 12 offense. But this is a defense that's going to be middle of the road, you know, average above average at best right like and everyone knows that in this age of the nfl you know that that can be okay um but before i'll be honest before the signing of yannick Ngakwe, i was terrified for what this defense was gonna you know present to us especially week one against green bay and just throughout the entirety of the season i mean you were walking in with an offensive line of demarcus walker who is a free agent acquisition from tennessee who had like six sacks last year and you know nothing special you got justin jones who's playing nose tackle who 
you know, did a little something last year, but didn't provide enough pressure. You had Andrew Billings, a free agent signing. And then that other edge position was either going to be Dominique Robinson, who was a fifth round rookie from last year, who was playing wide receiver at Miami of Ohio two years ago. And then Travis Gibson, who just got cut today. So yeah, we would have been in some serious trouble if we had not signed Yannick Ngakwe. Luckily, they do sign Ngakwe. He's going to be sort of a plug and play guy, a guy who can get you eight to nine sacks. I mean, Last year, I don't know if you guys know this. Can you guess who the leading sack leader on the Bears was last year? Do you do do you know this? Robert I, Quinn. Robert Quinn got traded to the Eagles, so no, it was well, not. Well, Robert Quinn. well, I kind of figured maybe he still led after he no, got he, traded. Yeah, he was he was terrible. You got to guess, Tony. I don't. I don't. The the sack leader for the Bears last year was safety Jaquan Brisker with three Ooh. and a half. So yeah, right, rightfully, rightfully, we have been concerned about that front four and the pressure that they've been able to provide. But with Yannick Ngakwe, you get a guy who can actually get up to the quarterback. And they did spend two early draft picks in the second and third rounds on nose tackles, defensive guys up front with Zach Pickens out of South Carolina and Irvon Dexter out of Florida, who are just two athletic freaks, guys who need development, but guys who can just get after it and are and are great athletes. Now, what I will say is this team made some great, great, great signings in the offseason in the middle of their defense and in the secondary. So you get Tremaine Edmonds, a guy who's already played six years in the league, is a great veteran who's proved himself in Buffalo to be your middle linebacker. And then you get a guy who played in the Super Bowl who is sneakily effective with a ton of tackles last year in TJ Edwards from Philadelphia. Um, and then Jack Sambor returning as an undrafted rookie out of Wisconsin who played well last year um, in the end of the year when some guys went down. So I, I feel really good about the linebackers, but it's really the secondary that makes you feel positive about the defense. You got Jalen Johnson, who's a lockdown cornerback. Uh, you got Jaquan Brisker. I think Jalen Johnson and Justin Jefferson had some great battles. Of course, Justin Jefferson probably won them. But those two guys go at it. Jalen Johnson's a great player. Jaquan Brisker, like I mentioned, the team sack leader, is a guy who can be a pro bowler this year in his second year out of Penn State. Eddie Jackson, before he got injured last year, had about four interceptions. Looked like he was returning to 2018 form. And then Kyler Gordon, uh, who was a rookie last year to Washington, had to play some outside corner, just didn't fit well there, but is returning to the slot this year, a play a position where he's more comfortable position he played in college. So the defense, you're a little bit cautiously optimistic about. You don't expect it to be top 10, but you got a lot of new guys, a lot of young talent, and a bunch of athletes. This is going to be a defense that's going to fly to the football and get takeaways. That's what Matt Eberflus has based his defense on. It's what he based it on in Indianapolis. So if you're allowing a ton of yards, but you're getting takeaways, it's a wash, right? Like takeaways win games. So that's the goal for this defense. I think they have potential to do it, but we're not expecting anything crazy. They're going to allow probably a crap ton of yards, probably be a top 15 defense, but you're expecting them to make the right takeaways in the right moments to win you some games this year. I would say that, you know, our, our outlooks on our, both of our defenses are not that dissimilar. I think the Vikings, well, I'm not as optimistic as you are, uh, Kevin. Um, I'm hoping that, uh, the purple team is a bit more opportunistic this year with takeaways. And I think that can help elevate both of our squads. So we'll see. All right. Well, uh, before we get you out of here, we got to get the record prediction as we've said. Um, yeah, I'll just throw it to you before I give my record prediction. And then, uh, Tony, if he wants to give his too. So Kevin, I have a feeling we're going to be very different on this. Uh, I, I have the Bears winning nine games this year. I, I think this is a team that's going to be competitive. They have a last-place schedule, obviously, right? Their schedule is really soft. I'm not as high on the lines as other people are. I think they can split that series. I think they're going to sweep the Packers. I'm really just, like, not just because I'm a Bears fan. Like, I just don't see anything 
with the Packers at all. Like, I just, I just don't. I think they're going to sweep that, and they have a ton of winnable games on the schedule. Like, if you actually go through their schedule, like there's there you can find nine maybe even 10 games for them to win this year truly and if you think about it, like they were in games last year justin fields kept them in games like there's just been so many improvements on this team that there, there's reasons to believe that they could win nine games like it's it's not outlandish and i know there's people who say well you know a six game leap is just that that's just unheard of you know that just doesn't happen well it happened last year with the jacksonville jaguars right they they uh were in the exact same situation they had the number one overall pick they actually used that number one overall pick instead of trading it but they had a six-game leap um, from the year before to to uh, from 2021 to 2022, and ended up making the playoffs. The same exact thing can happen to the Bears this year. Like I truly think it's possible. This team has a lot of talent across the board. Uh, the second year in Luke Getzey's system, the second year with Matt Eberflus uh, as a head coach. I just you can find nine games for them to win on the schedule. And if Justin Fields actually does take that leap and is an MVP candidate, I'm not going to lie. This team can win 11 games if Justin Fields is that good. Like, they have the potential to do that, but I'm going to I'm gonna sit at nine for so I don't get killed by the Minnesota Vikings fans listening to your podcast because I know you guys are going to be around here with, like, five wins, six wins. Um, and I swear, like, this is not a homer take. Like, I really do believe that this team has enough talent um, and is going to be able to, to, you know, make enough plays in the right moments against a pretty soft schedule to win nine games. All right, there you have it. That's it. We're not giving ours. No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, Tony, um, let's uh, let's talk him down a little bit. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I, I don't know if uh, <clears throat> I don't know if if I'm gonna surprise you or not here. Um, but I, I don't really like to give an exact number because I just think there's too much fluctuation in the NFL. So I'm gonna give a range. That's what I typically like to. Do. I would say I expect the Bears to win uh, between six and eight games. Um, so that's not really that far off of where you're at again. Um, now, could they win more or less than that? Obviously, because there's things like injuries, there's just so many unknowns that happen in this league, but that would be a comfortable range for me, um, somewhere six to eight wins. And if, again, that's basically me saying if they were to win eight, I'm not that surprised. I'm not saying that's mm -hmm. their stealing. It's just that that would be my range of like where I kind of expect them to be. Well, what I, I, I might, I might've, I got to look and see what, um, this has been several weeks ago already. I picked the bears to go seven and 10. Okay. And that was, that was actually fourth place. Um, in the division because I had the Packers at eight and nine Vikings, 10 and seven and lions 11 and six. So, um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of at the point too, though, Kevin, where I'm starting to get a little lower on green Bay. Um, yeah. so I'm, I'm thinking that I'm thinking that green Bay could fall below Chicago and Lord would, wouldn't we all just be thrilled if the Packers were at the cellar of the NFC North for years, obviously one year would be great, but you know, multiple years would be just fantastic. So um, yeah, I, I think that's pretty on par, uh, Tony. I don't I don't see the Bears losing or uh, winning less than six games, so I'd put that at the minimum. They're going to win at least six. Um, but I think, but I think Kevin, that uh, my my absolute highest ceiling would be your nine wins. Like I I can't see this really? team winning more than wow. nine games. I mean, I'll I'll uh, gladly come on here and tell everybody I was wrong, but. Uh, <laughs> 
I, uh, I just, I just don't think there's going to be more, more than six wins of improvement. I, I, I think, I think you're right that it can happen like the Jaguars. Um, but I, I just think there's too much, too much that has to improve. Um, especially in the NFC North with the Lions and Vikings, who I think are still a step above uh, in overall talent-wise. But that's just my mm-hmm. that's just my take. And who knows? We could be sitting here at the end of the year being like, "Oh, we were just wrong. The Bears are the best team in the NFC North, and here we are watching them go to the Super Bowl." You know, I don't. Yeah, know. I don't know about that. <laughs> I hope you're right. <laughs> yeah, we don't know. Uh, the only thing we all can agree on is that the Packers are going to be bad. <laughs> yeah. And and we're all here for it. I sure we're hope so. Yeah. I, I hope all the Jordan Love hype is just hype. Is I there really hype? hope that. I don't even know if there is hype. Oh, like, there's no hype. Gonna be there's there's some know. Packer fans that are excited about it. Yeah, um, there's, there's uh, some yeah, growing yeah. hype. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have the latest predictions I'm seeing. May the Bears be able to take that hype and rip it in half in week one. That's I actually I'm saw a prediction that puts the Packers uh, the second in the division, Detroit winning the division, Bears third, Vikings fourth. Oh, my. Oh, oh my. Gosh. You know, You know, there's that. I think they had the Packers at like, I don't know, like 10 and 7, and Lions at... 11 and six. I think they had the bears at like seven and nine and the Vikings were six and 11 or something like that. I I just, I don't, I just, the Packers won eight games last year with one of the top three quarterbacks to ever play the game. And you think they're going to win two more with a guy who's played two games in his entire career. Like I, 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 and a worse roster and a worse roster. Like, and I think this is real quick before we head out, like, the same thing that happened to Bill Belichick when Tom Brady left New England is exactly what's going to happen to Matt LaFleur. He is going to hear it from Packers fans when they start to do poorly and they and everyone starts to realize, well, you know, Aaron Rodgers was the coach of this team, basically. Like that, like that, that I mean, you watch I don't know if you guys watch hard knocks. Robert Sala ain't the coach of that team. Aaron Rodgers is. So I think the same thing is going to happen. Ooh, uh, right. I think the same thing's going to happen to uh to the Packers. So yeah. No, I I'm think out. the coach, you know, I think the coach of the Jets is. Nathaniel Hackett. <laughs> yeah. Well, if that's the case, then they yeah. might win four games. <laughs> please, please let that be the case. Uh, that would be great. Love to see Aaron Rodgers in misery. But uh, that is going to do it uh, for the uh, Aaron Rodgers in misery podcast. Uh, thank you all for joining in. Thank you, Kevin, for uh, joining us. Uh, make sure to uh, tell our audience here uh, before you leave where they can get your show. Uh, where they can find you, all that good stuff. Yeah, Bears Nation podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, and uh, live on YouTube and Twitch Monday nights and Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. So appreciate you guys having me on, man. It was a lot of fun. You guys are doing great stuff here at the Skull Purple Pod, so keep grinding, man. This is awesome. Absolutely, and hopefully we'll get you on a couple of times throughout the season. Yeah, 100%. All right, that's going to do it for the podcast. Keep watching for more previews, and as always, Skull. Let's go.